Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, June 6th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, some big pitcher performances this weekend. Prospects getting promoted or called back up, recalled, I guess you would say. Waiver wire ads, drops, and of course, much more. But first, take it away, Susan. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Scott, it always makes me feel so much better when you choose a Yankee player and I don't, so that I don't get yelled at. Ah, oh, well, you shouldn't worry so much about <laughs> faceless masses yelling at you, Frank. <laughs> first of all. But yes, I am choosing a Yankee. I'm choosing Luis Severino. Uh, who was amazing on Saturday. Seven one-hit innings with one walk, 10 strikeouts. Now it was against the Tigers, clearly the worst offense in baseball. But it was still very impressive, and, and, and he's been doing things close to this for a while now. His ERA is, is now uh, 2.95 for the year. He's had... No trouble pitching deep into games after all those injuries. Four starts in a row, six-plus innings, two of the four, seven-plus. And I, I think what stands out the most is, okay, so he got 20 swinging strikes. Eight came on the slider, which he threw 26% of the time. It was the second-most thrown pitch. Remember when he, at the start of the year, he he, he seemed, he seemed, uh, he seemed to be fading that slider a bit. He didn't seem totally comfortable with it. And given all the trauma his elbow had gone through over the past couple years, we I wondered if it was just going to be a longstanding issue because that's a slider is a pitch that puts a puts a strain on the elbow. Uh, but he has begun to to feature it more prominently in recent starts, and, the, and you've seen the swinging strikes skyrocket. And the thing is, even with him not using the slider much early in the year, he still has a career high swinging strike rate, 14.4%. So Luis Severino is like, I, I'm not sure what there is to knock him for at this point. I mean, obviously with all the years, missed the injury, there's the risk of him getting injured again, but we're not seeing the, uh, the time away from the game affect his performance or even affect how deep he's pitching into games. And like he's just he's just looking like an ace at this point. I don't I don't know how high I should move him on my rankings, but he deserves a he deserves a big move up. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I moved him up last week inside of my top forty starting pitchers for the first time, and it, it seems like that's not high enough. I was on mm. the In This League podcast last week with our buddy the Welsh and Scott Bogman, and we were doing some player debates, and they asked me Luis Severino or Julio Arias rest of season, and. You know, without even kind of thinking about it, you just go, ah, Julio Arias, you know, he's drafted as a top 10 starting pitcher. You know, he was like a top 30 pick overall this past, you know, draft season. But, I mean, they're really kind of moving in different directions in terms of like the underlying stats and stuff. So Yeah, yeah. so I'm pulling up the rankings now. I I feel like I have Julio, at the last update, I have Julio Arias 23rd. And at that point, uh, where's Severino? Gosh, I got to scroll away. Uh, I had him 48th, probably a little higher in points league since he's RP eligible, but I, I had him barely inside the top 50, and I had Arias up there at 23. You know, looking who I have ahead of Arias, Dylan Cease, Max Freed's awfully good. Uh, and then you get into like Shohei Otani and Robbie Ray. I'm not even sure I have those guys in the right order. But I, I feel like that's the range Severino belongs in. I feel like I can get him inside the top 20 now. And 
you know, Arias has been okay. I, I don't think he's been as good as we wanted him to be mm-hmm. on Sunday. Uh, he got a bunch of swinging strikes, but he had only four strikeouts in less than six innings. And, you know, the overall, overall the strikeout rate is down for Julio Arias. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, let's see. Who else? Who do I have behind Arias? Kyle Wright, Zach Gallen, Chris Bassett. Yeah, those, those are all guys I'd, I'd, I'd prefer Severino to all those guys. So I think he's a top 20 pitcher now. Yeah, I don't think there's much performance risk, Scott. I think the biggest, you know, obvious risk with Severino is just injuries and can he stay on the field? But so far, he's looked great. He's looked like, you know, prime Severino from, you know, I guess at this point it was like three or four years ago, right? 2018 was like the last time Severino was really awesome. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, it's the only stand- time he was healthy, really. <laughs> yeah. For any length of time. 2018 is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. By the way, that slider, I looked up the swinging strike rate just for that pitch, 22% this season on the slider. So if he starts throwing that more, I think there's a chance we'll see even more strikeouts for Severino. Speaking of strikeouts, Jose Barrios, he needed this one, Scott. He put up a career-high 13 strikeouts against his former team, the Minnesota Twins, where he goes seven innings, allows two runs, 13 strikeouts in this game. 19 swinging strikes on 90 pitches, and he leaned on the curveball more in this start. Jose Brios did 34% usage, and it's right around 30% on the season. So it's not like he you know, went crazy with it, but he did use it more, and again, it's far and away his best pitch, that curveball. 172 batting average against, a 14% swinging strike rate on that pitch. Scott, what do you think about this start for Jose Brios? Could it be a sign of things to come, or would you maybe look to sell after this big start? Maybe a little both. Uh, I, I mean, it uh, obviously his his season's been pretty bad up to this point. I will point out that this makes it three quality starts and four for him, though the one that wasn't a quality start last time out was just straight up awful. And there have been a lot of those awful starts. And I, I have pointed out that's kind of Jose Barrios' MO. So he goes through some stretches where he looks like Cy Young, and he goes through stretches where he looks... He's a dumpster fire, basically. But in the end, numbers are, are are pretty much always the same. So, you know, hopefully he's pulling out of a dumpster fire stretch here and is about to go on a nice run for you. But it's always worth shopping. I mean, I mean, there's there there are pitchers I have more confidence in than him. Uh, let's see. What's gosh, man? This is this is where it gets. I guess that twenty through. 50 range at starting pitcher is, is it's a mess. Uh, it's a mess, really guy. frustrating to rank because I, I look at who I have Barrios behind and it's like, oh, I'd easily take him over that guy. Let's see. Maybe like a U Darvish. I feel like U Darvish is, I know his ERA is around four, but he kind of feels like a sell high in a way because I just have, like he's not doing anything that well. Mm-hmm. But that that's like, I would rather have Barrios than him. So I don't know why I brought him up. <laughs> We're talking about who you could trade Barrios for in a good way. Would you trade him for? Would you do it for Logan Webb, Scott? No. No. No, Logan Webb hasn't been very good himself. No, he hasn't. But about, like Robbie Ray, I'd trade Barrios for Robbie Ray. Sure. How about Luis Castillo? Kind of, I. this is so frustrating, Scott, because he does something that works well in his previous start, Luis Castillo. He throws his four-seam fastball 49% of the time and completely changed his pitch mix, and then here on Sunday, he goes back to throwing his sinker more, throwing his four-seam less, and just doesn't really have a good start. He gives up five runs against the Washington Nationals, and it's just more of that inconsistency, but I don't know. I don't know why he did that. Right. Well, that's what I was worried about because that's why I wasn't getting as excited about Luis Castillo after his last start. Okay, if you could tell me he's going to stick with this four-seamer approach going forward, but we got to see it more than one start. And yeah, he reverted to his old pitch mix on Sunday. And the results were okay, but too many runs. I mean, it, it was it was a quality start, right? Did he go six innings? It was six and a third. I think technically it was three earned, but it was five yeah. total runs. Yeah. Okay. So that makes it a quality start. Yes. Uh, and he got, he got, you know, the swinging strikes were there and everything. But yeah, just, yeah. I, I would rather have Rios, I think, because... I mean, if if he is about to go on a run, then 
like that that's that's obviously a must start player. I, I don't know I don't know that Luis Castillo is must start at the moment, especially given the team he plays for. Mm-hmm. He's pretty close. Like it's it would take a lot for me to sit him, but I think I'd rather have Barrios. All right. So you've got Barrios at SP forty two, your last rankings update. I have him just a little bit behind mm-hmm. that. I have him behind Charlie Morton. I think I I feel comfortable yeah. making that swap now. So we'll, well talk about like, Go ahead. So, so this is what you know. I was talking about the 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 twenty through fifty range at starting pitcher, which you know kind of tells you how deep starting pitcher is. That like that's basically the non ace but very good tier is runs thirty spots in our pitcher rankings. I have Barrios fortieth. Well, I'm looking at the roto rankings. You might be looking at head to head. I am fortieth right now, but. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking up to where Kyle Wright is at 24, where Eric Lauer I have at 28. Eric Lauer, you know, another not so promising start on Sunday. Yep. And, and it's like I could easily take Barrios over those guys, but that's a jump, 15, 16 spot in the rankings. You know. Yeah. No, I do think that this range of starting pitcher, Scott, is very interchangeable right now until mm-hmm. we start to see someone emerge with consistency, and I guess. That's why Luis Severino could rank ahead of just ahead of that right. group now. Somebody, um, somebody in the podcast league offered me Joe Ryan and and like kind of a fringe waiver guy for for you Darvish, and I was just like, eh, yeah, I, I don't know. He's like, oh, you have Joe Ryan ranked four spots ahead, and it's like, yeah, but that means it's basically the same. Like, I yeah. when it's basically the same, I, I usually just stand pat. All right, let's move into some waiver wire pitchers, Scott, from the weekend. And I've got five names here on the list. Zach Eflin, another strong start up against the Angels. He went eight shutout innings with six strikeouts. And uh, over the past three starts, he's throwing that curveball more. He's 55% rostered. Rowanzi Contreras has allowed just two earned runs in three starts since getting called back up by the Pirates. Only 45% rostered, which... I found interesting for Contreras. I, I thought that number would be higher. Uh, Dane Dunning gets back on track. Seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts against the Mariners. He's 27% rostered. Zach Plesak, I know it's Zach Plesak, but mm. his velocity was up a little bit in this start, and he's going up against the Oakland A's this week, so that's a good matchup. And then uh, Jake Junis turns in probably his best start of the season so far. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. He is 35% rostered. The problem is that he faces the Dodgers this week. Scott, are there you know a few names here, maybe two or three that stand out to you more than the rest? Eflin, Contreras, Dunning, Plesak, Junis. Oh, well, Contreras is the best. I, I think he's the best talent-wise, clearly. And I, I trust him to put up the best ratios. Will he get enough wins? Will he pitch deep enough into games to, to be worth your wire? to be worth your while in a standard 12-team league? I'm not sure about that. I, I understand why he's still so available. But like if, if, you're, if you're picking up a guy for his rest-of-season prospects, I think Rowanzi Contreras is clearly the one from this group. If you're picking up a short-term, you know, one-start, uh, what do we call them, streamer? <laughs> Maybe it's... Please act just because of that matchup, but man, it's you know you know I don't love one start streamers in general, and that's why because you're really you're really uh, putting a lot on a guy who's probably not very good. Dane Dunning though has been doing some interesting things. Still uh, hasn't quite fallen off the face of the earth yet. So Dane Dunning has four double-digit swinging strike efforts in a row. He had 14 on 93 pitches in this most recent start, seven two-run innings, three-hit innings against the Mariners with a strikeout per. Four of his last seven starts have been really good. So he's been missing more bats lately. He's been good more often than not. I, You know, the underlying numbers still aren't great for Dane Dunning, and it's, it's not like I'm eager to pick him up. But... If you want a second choice behind Contreras of this group, Dane Dunning would probably be the one. Mm -hmm. The swinging strike numbers overall for the season, I guess they're continuing to climb for Dane Dunning, as you mentioned, but you know, his XFIP is 3.31. His Sierra is 3.50. You 
you know, pretty good numbers for Dane Dunning. So uh, his K minus walk ratio is solid this year. He gets a lot of ground balls. So I kind of like him too. I mean, he's got two secondaries. He doesn't throw very hard, but uh, I agree. You don't, he's not a must add or anything, Dane Dunning, but he is kind of interesting right now. Scott, I would assume, you know, Jeffrey Springs and maybe even Edward Cabrera are ahead of everyone I just mentioned. Yes. All right. And uh, speaking of Edward Cabrera, Scott, did you did you try to bid on Edward Cabrera in any of your leagues on Sunday night? I did. I did. So here we are early June, a little more or about a third of the way through the season of this third of the way through the season. And I uh, I don't have much money left in me, most of my me leagues. Neither. Me neither. <laughs> Some uh, some aggressive bidding early in the year, kind of expecting others to bid more aggressively than they did, led to some. Uh, I, you know, ideally, I, I think I've said before, I, I want to spend half my fab dollars in the first quarter of the season, generally speaking, because that's when, that's when the waiver wire is most fruitful. That's when other people generally are bidding aggressive too. So there's, you know, if, if it's kind of like. You know, if you're doing an auction and you're you're the last one left with a bunch of money, who cares? All the good players are gone, you know, mm-hmm. and you're bidding against yourself. Right. Um, so it's kind of the same thought process. But the way it worked this year for me is that a third of the way through the season, I spent like 80 percent of my fat. <laughs> so so realistic. Yeah, I probably wasn't in on the Edward Cabrera bidding realistically in most leagues. And I'm OK with that. I mean, he's it, still a lot. He needs to prove there, especially in terms of throwing strikes. But I, I think among the the um, the guys we haven't talked about in waiver wires in the past in, in past weeks, he was he was probably the big bid for this week. Oh yeah, so I actually did. I wound up uh, winning him in three different leagues on Sunday. I spent one hundred and seventy three dollars on him in my Tout Wars league. That's a twelve team head to head points league. That's out of a one thousand dollar budget. So. 17% and it's a headset points league, but we use Roto style lineups. So it, it is a little bit deeper and starting pitchers don't really come around that often. So I was aggressive with Cabrera there. Uh, and then I also won him in two 15 team leagues for $144 out of a $1,000 budget and $73 uh, again out of a $1,000 budget. So cross your fingers. I'm hoping Edward Cabrera is uh, awesome because yeah, I actually wound up with him in quite a few places, but a few other prospects got that were either called up or recalled Joe Adele, Ezekiel Duran, who was with the uh, Texas Rangers and Jaron Duran. And I think the Red Sox are playing the Rangers this week. So there's a chance that we get like a Duran Duran matchup, which for obvious reasons is amazing. Uh, but were you looking to add any of Joe Adele, Ezekiel Duran, Jaron Duran? Yes, on a lower level than than like an Edward Cabrera. And I, I managed to add Jaron Duran in a couple leagues. Uh, now, I, I think Adele especially, probably a short-term stay. In fact, Joe Madden actually said he wouldn't be up right now if Taylor Ward hadn't had to go on the IL. And oh, by the way, they think it's going to be a minimum stay for for Taylor Ward. So, so what... How likely is Joe Adele to stick around, especially given that Joe Madden actually said that, which I'm surprised he said that. Like, you know, <laughs> way, to, way to instill confidence in the guy, make him think he has a chance. But Joe Adele had been struggling at AAA, and obviously, you know, you, you could understand why, uh, why now might not be his time. Doesn't mean he's not worth stashing, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be of much use right now. And Jaron Duran may not be either. Now, Durant, Jaron Duran... Got to specify since there's two Durans. Jaron Duran batted leadoff both Saturday and Sunday for the Red Sox. One start in right field, one start at DH. But he might only be up for Jackie Bradley being away on uh, on paternity believe. I, I believe that's what it is, right? P- yeah. Paternity. I said ter- paternity believe, I believe. Paternity leave. <laughs> uh, my Sometimes my brain is working faster than my mouth. Oh, um, you don't have to explain yourself, Scott. I mean, as the host <laughs> of this podcast, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, so so I think there's a better chance of Jaron Durant sticking around than Joe Adele. You know, the, the likelier scenario is that he gets sent down in short order 
two. Mm-hmm. So Ezekiel Durant, and I didn't order my bids this way in, in the ones that have already gone through, but I wish I did because Ezekiel Durant of the Rangers, I think has the best chance of the three of sticking around because now he's the young guy taking over at third base because Josh Smith, who we were talking about last week, got put on the IL with the sprained shoulder. And although Ezekiel Duran is making the jump from double A, I really like what he was doing at double A. So he's another guy who came over in the Joey Gallo trade from with, with the Yankees last year, along with Joey Gallo, or I'm sorry, along with Otto, Glenn Otto. Yep. Yeah, and a couple others. Uh, so Ezekiel Duran at double A was hitting 317 with seven homers, seven steals, 24 doubles, a 936 OPS, and only an 18% strikeout rate. Is he, that, that's the best strikeout rate he's ever had in the minors. And not only that, Frank, but Ezekiel Duran's ground ball rate at double A was less than 30%. You hardly ever see a ground ball rate that low. And, and that, you know, it's not because the fly ball rate was exaggerated and all he's clearly not going to hit for average. There was a ton of line drives. And a good number of fly balls. So, like that's that's like the perfect profile for maximizing batting average and power. And that's what he was doing at Double A. And he was hitting for average and power. Can it translate to the majors? Obviously, we've seen much higher end profiles than Ezekiel Duran flop in the past few years. So you bet against it. But in those deeper leagues, especially since he's going to be picking up third base eligibility, I think Duran might be worth a, a pickup. See where it goes. He started on Sunday, and he hit a home run already. Yeah, he went two for four with a home run on Sunday here, and I wanted to look up his, I believe he only has shortstop eligibility to start, second base. Hmm. Second base on CBS to start, and then, of course, he will gain the third base eligibility. So he's um, 23 years old. That's Ezekiel Duran. Scott broke it down. There's a lot to like in the profile. He's a legit like top 75, top 80 prospect in the game right now. Uh, but yeah, he was aggressively called up. But uh, I do like adding him for you know three to five percent, something like that. I, I picked him up in one league for thirty four dollars, and let's see where it goes. Uh, some power speed. He's a young, exciting player. Uh, I did want to ask Scott about kind of jumping all over the place here, but some a starting pitcher drop from the weekend. Marcus Stroman. Can we drop Marcus Stroman? His ERA jumps to five point three two. He gave up nine runs over four innings pitched, three homers allowed. The underlying numbers are still okay, but what do you think about dropping Stroman? He's 77% rostered. Before this awful start, which was awful in every way, <laughs> he had allowed a combined six earned runs in his previous five starts. Yep. So I, I think he's still a viable points league guy. Now, obviously not must start. You know, if, if there's Jeffrey Springs out there, I, I'm not going to hesitate to drop Marcus Stroman for him, but would I drop Marcus Stroman for, you know, Dane Dunning? No, I wouldn't. How about Cabrera? He's, yeah, I mean, if it came to that, I'd rather go for the upside. Marcus Stroman isn't an upside play, but I, mm-hmm. I think in the end, his numbers are going to be respectable. But g- given the choice, in a shallower league especially, you, you go for the upside. All right, let's move over to some waiver wire hitters. Obviously, we talked about some of the prospects, so, uh, but... In shallower leagues, some names that stood out from the weekend. Andrew Vaughn had seven hits. He's now batting 298 overall. He's 71% rostered. Frank Schwindel, my man. Frankie, two hits. He's making a return. He's got eight hits over his last four games. Uh, that was entering Sunday night. I didn't, I'll pull up Sunday night and see if he did anything there. But since returning to the majors, he had like that brief stint where he was sent down for, I don't know, like 12 hours and then he came back. 275 batting average, six homers, and 850 OPS for Frank Schwindel. He's 66% rostered. He also pitched on Friday. Like, what can't this guy do? He's awesome. Alec Thomas had a double dong on Friday. Uh, Had been quiet recently. He's just hitting too many ground balls, but he is making a lot of contact. He's 60% rostered. And then Andres Jimenez, two homers this weekend, and he's hot once again. His last seven games, batting 385, three homers, one steal. He's got seven home games this week. 63% 63% rostered is Andres Jimenez. Scott, are you looking at any of these names in some of your shallower leagues? Vaughn, Schwindel, Alec Thomas, Andres Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, not surprisingly, Vaughn being the most rostered is the most interesting to me in the White Sox. Uh, let me see here. I, I thought they were among the teams with the best matchups. They're not. But 
But yeah, I, I think Andrew Vaughn, just for the upside in the way he's been playing more consistently, been producing his strikeout rates down this year. You know, he has that top prospect pedigree that like a Schwindel does not. Alec Thomas, same thing. He's probably the the most interesting just because of that. And other than the ground ball rate, I, I really like what I've seen from him mm-hmm. since being called up. Like he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's overmatched in the majors the way a lot of these young guys have been. So those are the upside plays. I, I like Andres Jimenez, it, his numbers. I like his data. Yes. You know, the, the, the stack has data backs up what he's doing. Yes. Completely. The XBA, I think, is over 290. The X slug over 500. Yes. Uh, and the, the base numbers look even better. The problem, before you get too excited, Frank, ah. is for some reason, the Guardians have been sitting Andres Jimenez once, twice a week. Mm. And so that, that makes it a little hard to get fully behind him, especially when you're talking about a you know, standard league context. If you're talking about roto lineups where you got the extra middle infield spot to fill and all of that, okay. Mm-hmm. But Andres Jimenez is, is probably already rostered in those. He's 63% rostered. I, I need to see him play more consistently. And maybe Owen Miller has dropped off enough that they'll begin to fade him more. You know, part of the problem is they just they somehow the Guardians ended up with more hitters than they could play <laughs> because of you know guys like Stephen Kwan and and uh, uh, Josh Naylor getting off to good starts. Owen Miller, mm-hmm. uh, but you know there'll probably be injuries at some point. And and if if Andres Jimenez continues to hit while well, some of those other guys fall off, then presumably he'll start to get more playing time. I feel like they sit him against lefties at times, and if you look at his career splits, he's actually better against lefties than he is against righties. So that's kind of weird. And he's actually been better against lefties this season, but it's just it's a really small sample size. It's only 26 plate appearances. So I think that would also kind of support him sitting against lefties. He just doesn't really have that many plate appearances against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, how do you feel about dropping some of these names? Uh, I keep getting questions about... Juan Yepes has slowed down recently. Alec Bohm with the Phillies. Connor Joe, my man, Connor Joe, and Joey Gallo. What do you think about dropping those four? Are they droppable in like a standard 12-team league? Yeah, I think any of them are droppable. I would prefer to drop some more than others. Uh, let me see. Okay, so here's the list. Yeah, I would say... I would say in a categories league... You might want to keep Joey Gallo around just in case he goes on one of those home run binges. He probably will at some point. That's been his whole career. And uh, Connor Joe is the one I'd be more hesitant to drop of the others since he, he bats high in the Rockies lineup, and he's always going to have that that Coors Field advantage going for him. Don't love him this upcoming week because they're on the road for all seven of their games. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I, I think he's more rosterable than than Juan Yepes and Alec Bohm. Bohm, the data still looks great. He's still hitting the ball hard. His strikeout rate is still much better than last year. But and and he did have a, I think he had three hits and a walk Sunday. So maybe that's the start of something. But it, yeah, it's been pretty bad recently. But third base being the position it is, the you're you're unlikely to find a high quality alternative like that would be the reason to hold on to bohm mm-hmm. but it's not a must if third base is already settled for you well maybe you want to drop alec bohm for jose miranda who is coming around recently he had a double dong on friday and over his last seven games he's betting 346 with three home runs he is 25 percent rostered some other names in deeper leagues got that i uh was considering adding on sunday night garrett cooper uh, has seven hits this weekend. He's batting 302 overall with an 835 OPS. John Birdie has been playing more. They've had a bunch of injuries. Um, I believe Brian Anderson is on the IL, but uh, John Birdie, especially if you need steals, he's got three steals over his last six games. Bryson Stott hit his first two major league home runs over the weekend, including a walk-off three-run homer on Sunday. And then Lane Thomas for three. A triple dong on Friday. He actually had seven hits this weekend, and he started each game, which has been key for him because 
uh, playing time has been kind of hard for uh, Lane Thomas to to come by this season. So what do you think about this group, Scott, in deeper leagues? And would you maybe make that swap, drop Alec Bohm for uh, Jose Miranda? Yeah, you know, I like Miranda, and he has been coming around lately. I think you already laid out the stats, but that two-homer game. So 361, three homers, four doubles over his past 11 games. It has struck out more than I like to see during that time because he is supposed to make a lot of contact. But still, you know, you'd rather see power than a lack of strikeouts, I think. So, yeah, the Thomas case is interesting because I started three games in a row, but he sat the three prior to that. So I still think, you know, Yadiel Hernandez has fallen off quite a bit. So there, there's up, there's there's room for Lane Thomas to regain an everyday role. I'm not sure he has yet, but if you know, we obviously liked him as a sleeper coming in. He looked great over the last six weeks or so of last season, and he had this three homer game. So maybe that's going to inspire more consistent playing time. I'm not sure I'm eager to add him yet. Uh, not, certainly not as much as I am Miranda, Bryson Stott is another one and and, you know really just those 15 team leagues those leagues with the big lineups i was putting in some claims where i actually was prioritizing him over ezekiel duran but i have some second guesses about that i guess maybe if it's an obp league you would prefer stott but stott is the guy now because gene segura is out for months Mm -hmm. so he's he's getting like the, he, he's entrusted with the job in a way he wasn't earlier this year when the playing time was kind of sporadic and everything. So hopefully we'll see him find more consistency. And the two homers this weekend were a good sign that that maybe that's beginning for Bryson Stott. All right, a few catchers in deeper leagues. If you uh, play in those two catcher leagues, Jose Trevino hit his fourth home run this weekend, and Brian Servant, someone we continue to talk about, he went two for four, hit his third home run of the season on Sunday. So two names there uh, for those who play in two catcher leagues. Before we hit the break, just a reminder to join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group if you haven't already. That's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. It's a really fun community. Ask questions, waiver wire, trades, dynasty, keeper leagues, whatever you've got going on, you can hop in there and you can post your question. And of course, you'll get a bunch of feedback from other people around and uh, it's really fun. See a lot of people uh, communicating with each other on there. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The news and notes. Clayton Kershaw could be ready to start next Sunday's game in San Francisco. Some good news there. Chris Sale will throw another bullpen session Tuesday and then hopefully live batting practice later in the week on Friday. So batting practice, then he needs a rehab stint, maybe late June, early July, post-All-Star break, something like that. You know, probably yeah, I, within... I think I'll be back before the All-Star break. Okay, so somewhere in like... He's the... a gamer. Yeah, two to four week range probably for Chris Sale, something like that. Eloy Jimenez is still working on building his lower body strength at AAA and will not be activated yet for the White Sox. He, of course, is trying to return from a hamstring tear. It wasn't just a pull. It was it was pretty legit. Um, I actually think he had to have surgery on it, so 
It's a rough one. Lance Lynn will make another rehab start Wednesday and could join the White Sox rotation at the Detroit Tigers on June 13th, which... That's a Monday. You know, A, it would be a two-star week. And yep. who wouldn't want to make their first start against the Detroit Tigers right now? So... Telling you. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's rough. Uh, those Mets, they just cannot... Stay out of trouble, Scott. First, we had Lindor. He got his hand caught in a door last week in a hotel door. And now Max Scherzer got bit in the hand by one of his dogs. What? When the dog bites. <laughs> I actually think Steve Cohen had some kind of uh, clever tweet once again. Something about biting the hand that feeds you or something. But whatever. I don't know. Steve Cohen. Tweets. Uh, I think probably just stay off Twitter, buddy. Uh, his In his first rehab start, Tyler McGill gave up two runs over three and two-thirds innings. He touched 98 miles per hour with his fastball. He's on the IL with uh, biceps tendon- tendonitis right now. Max Muncie started a rehab assignment at AAA on Saturday, and things actually open up for him to return because uh, Edwin Rios was placed on the aisle with a right hamstring tear, so he's going to be out for quite some time as well. Willie Adamas will return to the Brewers on Tuesday, so get him back in your lineups. Austin Meadows could return on Tuesday against the Pirates. He's 82% rostered, so might be out there in some 10-team leagues. I don't know. Scott, are you excited about the return of Austin Meadows? I don't really know what to make of him mm. at this point. No, I'm not. I don't. I don't think there's... I don't like. I think there's there there's a trade off, a clear trade off between power and batting average for Austin Meadows. He either yeah. needs to sell out so hard for power that he hits 220, or what we saw earlier this year, he just didn't hit any home runs. In a small sample, things could turn around, but you know, based on the way last year went for him, and now that he's playing in an even worse park for him, he's, he seems pretty fringy to me. All right, Steven Strasburg tossed six scoreless innings at AAA on Friday, and he's looked pretty awesome during his rehab assignment. I feel like every time we get an update, they're uh, they're talking about how good Steven Strasburg looks right now. So, Well, d- have you seen anything about velocity coming back from thoracic outlet syndrome? I haven't. Um, his first three starts, though, in the minors this year, 1.98 ERA, 13 strikeouts to 13 and two-thirds innings. Out. The first two of those were in the lower minors. Okay. So he he better be whooping down there. <laughs> now this first rehab start at AAA, yes, six six one hit innings, seven whiffs on eighty three pitches. Not great That's against not AAA great. hitters. No. It's you know I'm nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we just want to see Steven Strasburg back healthy. But since I I haven't seen velocity readings, that's. I, I wonder. I wonder how he actually looks because you would expect Steven Strasburg to pitch well against minor leaguers. Not yeah. that every major league pitcher who goes on a rehab assignment pitches well, but still, he is seventy-seven percent rostered, so could be out there in some shallower leagues as well. Jonathan India will get an MRI on his hamstring on Monday. He's been out for quite some time with that injury. Rangers prospect Josh Smith, who was recently called up, was placed in the IL with a left shoulder sprain which Scott mentioned to you earlier. Uh, Orioles pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez was officially diagnosed with a grade two lat strain and might not return this season, which, look, if they're playing it safe, he's, I don't know, one of the most prized prospects in the game right now. Mm-hmm. That probably makes sense. So, Yeah, if I'm invested in Grayson Rodriguez in the Dynasty League, and I am, I think I'm rooting for him just not to pitch again. This year, yeah, I, I, I agree with know, that. I, I just, I just want a clean bill of health going into next season more than anything else. I agree. Cubs outfield prospect Brennan Davis underwent back surgery on Thursday last week, and they are unsure if he will return this season as well. I mentioned Edwin Rios on the IL. Will Myers also went to the IL with right knee inflammation, and uh, Alex Cobb is kind of questionable entering this week. He was scratched on Friday with a hamstring injury. He's at home versus the Rockies this week. Scott, would you chance it and leave Alex Cobb in your lineups? Probably not. Some of your Week 10 sleepers are already coming through, Scott. Over the weekend, Josiah Gray had a strong start (laughs) at the Reds. Six innings, two runs. He had nine strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes. 70% rostered. He's at the Marlins this week. Obviously, 
We love the matchup there. Uh, and then Tommy Pham had five hits this weekend, including his sixth homer and his third steal. He's 47% rostered. And then Alejandro Kirk, the power is coming, Scott. The power stroke is here. Two more homers this weekend, and the people are listening to you because he's already up to 76% rostered. I don't know that they're listening to me. They probably just all need a catcher, and they saw that he put up 36 <laughs> points this week. Wow. In standard CBA. He never strikes out. If He's going to hit for power, too, uh, which is what I thought would happen. So, yeah, past nine games, 469, three home runs, four doubles, only two Ks for Alejandro Kirk. And since he got his first extra base hit on May 3rd, span of 25 games, including that game. Alejandro Kirk is at 358 with five homers, eight doubles, 11 walks versus six strikeouts. So he, yeah, I, I think he's a stud. Slow start in April when nobody was hitting, but I, I think he's come around here and is going to be, shoot, I think I need to move him ahead of Yasmani Grandal into my top five at catcher. I, I, I did drop Grandal for him in one of my shallower leagues where in, I thought I could get away with dropping Grandal, but... wow. Yeah, I think I think Kirk. I, I trust more going forward. Mm. Uh, right. Let's see. Were you asking me about somebody else? Uh, there's a few other names here: Tommy Pham and Josiah Gray. If you have anything on those, oh yeah, yeah, they are on my sleeper hitters and pitchers list. You're right, though it doesn't really work that way. You don't get I don't get credit for it yet. <laughs> Not yet because the week hasn't started. <laughs> but it is nice that they're on a. Uh, Good run. So Josiah Gray in this start, he threw his slider about 40% of the time and got a total of 15 whiffs on 91 pitches. Right? When, he, when he has emphasized that slider, he's been great. It's happened a couple times this year. It was like, they're like his best starts. Usually he throws the slider 25% of the time, but when it's his most used pitch about around 40% of the time, things go well. Also, when he keeps the ball in the park, things go well. And I'm hopeful that this week in Miami, big park, suspect lineup that Josiah Gray will have another good start and hopefully he can get to featuring the slider prominently with more consistency. Mm. I like it. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Josiah Gray at the Marlins this week. Let's get into some recap from the rest of the weekend and what is going on with Walker Bueller. He gives up five earned runs over two and a third against the New York Mets and over his last five starts total. He's got a 6.66 ERA and a 1.68 whip. Scott, what is up with Walker Bueller, and would you start him at the Giants this week? I probably would start Walker Bueller. This isn't. This was a bad start. This was a very bad start, but he's more underwhelmed. I would say he hadn't felt it hadn't felt like a liability to start him the way it had Jose Barrios at times or Charlie Morton at times. Uh, you know, the ERAs, it's gone up, but, and, and look, the velocity is down slightly. It's been getting better. It's only down slightly. The swinging strike rate is actually normal for Walker Bueller. Uh, the strikeout rate is noticeably down. And yet, even with it being down, Walker Bueller's ERA estimators aren't, aren't that far off from usual. And there have been times He's in his, I guess, his fifth full season. There have been times where, you know, because he's never been a guy who's had like a big swinging strike rate or anything. And, and you know, early on last year, the strikeouts were down for Walker Bueller as well. Although I don't think it's long, as deep into the season. And there are times when I've worried, oh, he's lost it. And then he gets back on track and like breezes for months and ends up in the Cy Young conversation. And I, I just feel like it's going to play out that same way again for Walker Bueller. He's clearly, he's clearly searching right now, but I don't like, he doesn't look broken enough for me to worry. The what stood out to me most is his fastball is getting hit quite hard this year. A 386 batting average against 643 slug. Uh, and the, the spin is, Actually down quite it's a down. bit. Yeah, the spin's down. You're compared right. to last year. Yeah, it's down about yeah. over 200 RPM on that fastball. So Now, you know, I, I guess we could talk about, okay, so is he a victim of the sticky substance ban? That's, that's not something we've talked about a lot this year. No. But he was not somebody who was that afflicted by it, you know, once it was put in place last June. 
it was it, that like that that he never came up in that conversation and he was great over the final three months of the season get put him in the Cy Young conversation again mm-hmm. so I don't know I I don't his spin don't rates know. are down I'm, I'm just not, his spin rates are down across the boards guy I mean it's not just yeah, the fastball it's like on every one of his pitches they're down yeah yeah I'm just I don't know why but I, I'm just not that worried about it all right. Yeah. I mean, look, the swinging strike rate, I think, is 11.5%, which doesn't sound very good, but it's actually right in line with Walker right. Bueller's career mark. So, right. Uh, He's never yeah. been that big of a bat misser. Mm-hmm. I think I would, I would bet. I mean, there's just so much pedigree there and track record. I, I would bet on mm-hmm. Walker Bueller getting back on track as well. Studs being studs, part one, pitcher edition. Shane Bieber now has double digit strikeouts twice in his last four outings, and he was at the Orioles this weekend, seven innings, two runs. 11 strikeouts to two walks. He had 23 swinging strikes. Garrett Cole now has nine plus strikeouts in three straight. He was up against the Tigers this weekend. Seven shutout with nine strikeouts. Shane McClanahan now has five straight quality starts. So not only is he uh, giving you the strikeouts and the ratios, he's giving you length pretty consistently as well. Uh, And then Logan Gilbert, four quality starts in a row for him. He goes six innings, gives up two runs, seven strikeouts to just one walk. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Bieber, Garrett Cole, Shane O'Mac, and Logan Gilbert? Logan Gilbert's velocity was up a mile per hour on both his fastball and slider, which is basically all he throws. Those are his main two pitches by a long shot. Uh, He's had 14 or more swinging strikes in four of his last five starts. So remember when he was having success early on, I'm like, yeah, but is he missing many bats? Is he getting many strikeouts? It's gotten better. It's he's he's done the Walker Bueller trick as Logan Gilbert. So I think I feel pretty confident this breakout is legit for him at this point. Shane Bieber was so dominant. It was against the Orioles, I know, but 11 strikeouts, 23 swinging strikes. He just he just uh like overwhelm them with with breaking balls. He still doesn't have his old fastball velocity, but that slider and curveball, they're both are so effective that I I think he's gonna be okay. I mean he's he's not top five, but top fifteen, certainly top twenty. I think he can continue with that. Now he did he needed he needed this eleven strikeout game to get over a strikeout per inning this year. He had been under it for a while until then. You know, ERA in the low threes, pitching deep into games. I think Shane Bieber's still... Like, I, I think we're past the point where we need to be panicked about Shane Bieber. Let's take a look at some other uh, starting pitcher studs from the weekend. Joe Musgrove, another awesome start. He was at the Brewers. Eight shutout innings, only allowed one hit, three walks, six strikeouts. Max Freed goes into Coors Field, and he was amazing. Eight shutout innings, two hits, one walk, four strikeouts. And Zach Wheeler now has seven-plus strikeouts in seven straight. He was up against the Angels. He went six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts there. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Wheeler, Freed, and Musgrove? Mm, could you train Bieber for Wheeler? Maybe. Maybe. Should you? I guess you should, because I just said Wheeler was clearly top five, and we need to stop second-guessing ourselves. Right. Yes. No, I, I would rather have Zach Wheeler. Okay. I know. What'd you ask me? <laughs> Is there anything <laughs> you'd like to add on those three? Musgrove, Freed, Wheeler? Uh, No. All right, uh, starting pitchers who might be studs or maybe returning to studdom, if that's a word. Nathan Avaldi, since he got shellacked a couple of weeks ago, uh, he has been great. A 1.66 ERA over his last three starts with a 15.9% swinging strike rate. Tyler Anderson, three scoreless outings in a row. He shut down the Mets this weekend. Mackenzie Gore has allowed just one earned run over his last three starts. He was at the Brewers this weekend. Six shutout with 10 strikeouts. He's awesome. And then Martin Perez. I don't think he's a stud, but he's still just kind of pitching like a stud. He's allowed uh, just two earned runs or fewer in nine straight starts. That is Martin Perez. I know, this, is, this is worst start in a long time. He gave up two <laughs> runs in six innings. He gave up his first home run of the season, Scott. How about that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. Man, Mackenzie Gore is looking better and better, huh? He might be uh, 
Has there been an NL rookie better than Mackenzie Gore? Is he going to end up being rookie of the year? At the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. <laughs> Me neither, but I'm very happy for him, Scott. The way that like his career was playing out, and now he's just gotten back, and he's just living out his prospect potential. It's it's awesome to watch. It is, and I'm excited for anybody who rosters in the fantasy. Now, at some point, he's going to run into an innings problem, probably. Yep. But I don't think we need to worry so much about that just yet. Yeah. Uh, and Tyler Anderson, again, looking like a dominant pitcher with the Dodgers. He got 10 of his 14 swinging strikes on that changeup, which has just emerged as this amazing pitch for him. And, you know, I, I think he's I think he's in that same discussion at this point with, uh, like, the Kyle Wrights. And, I mean, at this point, I'm not sure I wouldn't rather have him than Eric Lauer. Yeah. He's in that discussion. That, uh, that swinging strike rate for Tyler Anderson, 14.5%. That ranks seventh among qualified starting pitchers this season. Unbelievable. So. <laughs> never, I never would have guessed Tyler Anderson would turn into a bat misser. Oh man, it's the Dodgers. They they have like this devil magic. I don't know what they're doing, but it's they're yeah, doing something. About to get Andrew Heaney back. Yeah, yeah, exciting times. Scott Starter sit these starting pitchers that are either trending in the right direction and they were fringy, or maybe they're going in the opposite direction. Nick Pavetta now has six quality starts in a row. He's at the Angels this week, though. Would you start him there? Hmm, I would avoid it. It's not a Blunt, no, but I, I think most people could probably probably have alternatives. Dylan Cease has 11 walks over his last two starts and a 4.81 ERA over his last five. Would you start him at home against the Dodgers? Yeah, I think he's basically must start, even with, you know, sometimes his control gets away from him. All right, uh, Patrick Sandoval, he, the, the walks are kind of piling up for him right now. He's got 18 walks over his last six starts, and... The swinging strike rate is down quite a bit compared to last year. He's at home against the Mets this week. I've been pretty disappointed with Patrick Sandoval. I don't think he's, I think he's far from automatic in a one-star week. So I would try to sit him against the Mets. Luis Castillo, we spoke about him earlier, Scott. He is at the Cardinals this week. I'd lean yes. Not a must, but I'd lean yes. All right, Scott, our favorite time of the podcast. It's time to talk about Charlie Morton, who had another mixed bag at Coors Field on Sunday. Of course, pitching in Colorado is no easy task, but he gives up four runs over five innings, three more walks. He did have eight strikeouts, and he had 18 swinging strikes. So those are the good things. Obviously, he was still hit hard in this game. Would you start him up against the Pirates this week at home? Yes, I, I was very encouraged by this Charlie Morton start. Like, who would have imagined... Go to Coors Field to get your curveball back on track, but that that seemed to be what happened. Uh, he his curveball got ten swinging strikes, and there were the three walks. That was really the problem. They all came in the first inning. Yeah, the three walks and three of the four earned runs came in the first inning, and and from that point forward he cruised. And uh, now he's going against the Pirates. So I know there was that start a few weeks back where we we're like, yeah, Charlie Morton's back. I don't know for sure that he's back, but like I, I feel like from the second inning on, this is what good Charlie Morton looks like. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be willing to start him against the Pirates. I think I'm going to do the reverse jinx in this one too, Scott. I think I'm going to watch every single pitch for Charlie Morton and see if that helps him. What do you think? Hmm? I'm not superstitious, so go for it. <laughs> I've been avoiding him and he's done nothing. So I don't think that there is a curse anymore. I'm going to try and break it by watching every single pitch that Charlie Morton throws this week. Let's take a look at some hitting leftovers from the weekend. Some double dongs. Juan Soto trying to get back on track. He hit three home runs this weekend. Kyle Schwarber hit a double dong on Friday. He now has four homers over his last six games. Bryce Harper hit three home runs himself this weekend, including a double dong on Friday, then a game-tying grand slam on Sunday. He hit that off of Rysel Iglesias. Pete Alonso hit three more homers this weekend. He's now up to 16 total. Colton Wong had a double dong on Sunday. He's now up to five homers, and he also has eight steals. Scott, would you try and use this opportunity to sell high on Bryce Harper while he's healthy and mashing? Look, we just did that redraft on on Memorial Day for rest of season, and 
I think I was the most concerned about Bryce Harper of, of any of us, his rest of season prospects. And I still had him 13th overall. So what does a sell high look like? I would trade him for Vladimir Guerrero, I guess, because that's somebody I had higher than 13. That, you know, you could see the the person who rosters him being willing to part with him. But, at the, you know, Guerrero started to come out of it. He's He's hit a bunch of home runs since then, so... I think like three or four when I say a bunch. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it would be hard to sell high on Bryce Harper is what I'm saying. I agree. You might be able to get Juan Soto off of someone who, I don't know, thinks that he's struggling. I guess technically he is struggling, but yeah, we still have a ton of confidence in, in Juan Soto. And, uh, and, and like it, it, it might be even with like Guerrero, it's, it's, there, there's a greater need in the outfield than at first base. Like you may be set at first base with a Josh Bell or whatever and, would prefer to stick with Harper, and I, I could understand that. Aaron Judge hit two more home runs this weekend, increasing his league lead to 21. Anthony Rizzo also added two homers and two steals. He's now up to four steals for the season. Uh, he did have 10 back in 2017, which, you know, quite a quite a while ago, but, uh, you know, Rizzo's running a little bit. Actually, the entire Yankee team is, is running a lot this year. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit two home runs this weekend. He now has three over his last five games. Jordan Alvarez... Seven hits this weekend, including two homers for himself. He's now batting 295. Remember, it felt like two weeks ago, Scott, that Alvarez was batting like 230. And now, now he's batting 295. And yep. he, he has 16 home runs total. So. That, was, that was a guy ranked ahead of Bryce Harper. FWIW. Mm, interesante. Julio Rodriguez, two more steals this weekend. He's now up to 17, man. This guy, he's just running wild. It's awesome to watch. Signs of life for these three hitters. Salvador Perez, back-to-back multi-hit games. He had a home run in each of them. Matt Chapman went three for four with a home run on Sunday. He's batting 360 over his last seven games. And Marcus Semyon, slow and steady, slow and steady. Four hits over his last four games, which doesn't sound that great, but... He had two homers, two seals in those four games. And over his last 18, he's batting 267, three home runs, six seals. Yeah, I want to get excited about Marcus Simeon turning it around because, oh yeah, he's hitting some homers. His During this 18-game stretch where he's supposedly coming roaring back, <laughs> his OPS is like 750. I don't have the exact number, but it's not great. The steals are really saving him. So I, I, you know, I'm still, I'm not, uh, I'm not totally back on board with Marcus Simeon, though. It, it is, I, I, it's good to see him doing something because he was literally <laughs> doing nothing for the first two months almost. And I want to mention Salvador Perez here because, so, the the back to back games with a home run and a double. The first was Saturday. On Friday, he looked like he couldn't hold a bat anymore. Like his thumb, they, they were talking about how his, his thumb is bothering him, but he's going to keep playing through it. And he, you know, he couldn't keep his, he couldn't keep both hands on the bat. And then he comes back and has these two games. And it's just like anytime Salvador Perez, an injury is brought to our attention. It's like, that's just a sign he's going to go off, right? Because there was the blurred vision issue issue yeah. early this year. And same thing happened last year with the vision, I think. So I don't know. But it's it's nice to see from our number one catcher rest of season. The call to the bullpen. Some bullpen updates here. The For the Nationals, Tanner Rainey had two saves this weekend. He's now up to seven total. And he is only 35% rostered, which... Seems low to me, Scott. Just I know the Nationals aren't good, but he's just very clearly the closer for their team, so seems like that number should be higher. For Tampa Bay, Colin Pochet recorded a one-out save on Friday, but Andrew Kittredge returned on Sunday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Rays still kind of mix and match for the next week or so. Yeah, but well, I think it'll, it'll be. Kittredge did work the ninth in a one-run loss. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think he's probably going to be their top leverage guy still. For the Mariners, Paul Sewald picked up two saves this weekend. He is twenty eight percent rostered. For and he has, he has the Mariners' last three saves. Yeah, and they Paul Sewald. I think they DFA Drew Steckenrider too, so he's gone. Um, 
Diego Castillo is still there. Andres Munoz, but yeah, it seems like they're leaning on, on Seawald more. So now remember, Seawald had this like amazing strikeout rate last year. It's only eight point four per nine this year, so he has not been. Mm. He hasn't looked like the same pitcher. Yeah. So I, I I I don't I don't know how excited I am, but but yeah, three he's gotten each of the Mariners' last three saves. Jorge Lopez recorded oh. his. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. No, I I thought I needed to correct myself, but I didn't. All right. Uh, Jorge Lopez picked up his seventh save this weekend. He's 53% rostered. Scott, how would you rank those three? Lopez, Seawald, Tanner Rainey, if you need saves. They're pretty widely available. I would say Lopez, Rainey, Seawald. All right. And what about the Giants? Camilo Duvall pitched... In the sixth inning on Saturday, with the game tied 4-4. to Now, that was two games in a row, basically, where he came in before the seventh inning to kind of pitch at a, in a, just a weird kind of point in the game, I guess. He did face the heart of the, Mar- the Marlins lineup. They, you know, the game was tied, but still, just kind of weird. And then on Sunday, Camilo Duvall pitched a ninth inning with a four-run lead, so more traditional usage there. Uh, Scott, do you have any idea? Have you seen anything about this, like what's going on with Camilo Duvall? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. No, I just think, I just think it's Gabe Kapler being Gabe Kapler. And let's see, so Duvall has eight saves. Nobody else has more than two. Uh, gosh, who would even be an alternative for saves? Jake McGee's ERA is over seven. I I think he's missed some time with injury, right? Yeah. Hmm. Dominique Leon has a save, but I like I I still expect Oval is going to be the main choice. Yeah, I agree. It's just it, he it's may just be weird. going, he may be going more the committee route again, which was Kapler's mo prior to I don't know, last year. I know there I know saves were spread out last year, but it was it was more because guys lost and regained their job and got hurt and whatnot. He seemed pretty. It, it was the strictest Kapler's ever been about bullpen rolls last year, and maybe he's going back to, to what he used to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dominic Leone, for what it's worth, he, his numbers are pretty good. Mm-hmm. K-minus walk rate is, is strong. He's got a 3 ERA, 2.71 XFIP. So, uh, yeah. Just a name to watch for now. Uh, I, I do want to mention, because I've alluded to it a couple times, and I see we're not going to get to it, Eric Lauer on Sunday. One earned run in six innings, three runs total, but one earned. Four strikeouts. He had nine swinging strikes on 100 pitches. His velocity was down 1.1 miles per hour from his season average. So pretty much back to normal with the fastball velocity after, what was he calling it, the zoom ball early in the year? Not really zooming. No. (laughs) Four straight starts with single-digit swinging strikes. Ew. And the stretch where he was awesome was basically four starts also. So, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like this is more the real Eric Lauer than what we saw earlier in the season. Mm. So, maybe a sell-high situation on uh, Eric Lauer while the numbers still look pretty good. Look, I wouldn't put it past him to, you know, get back on track. Obviously, we saw it earlier this season, but... The way that it's trending right now is not looking great for uh, Eric Lauer. One other bullpen I wanted to mention uh, for the Angels, Rysel Iglesias, he gave up that game-tying grand slam to Bryce Harper. The ERA is now 4.91. He just has not been as good or as locked down as we've seen in years past. So um, just something to watch with the Angels. Too many fly balls. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Monday, where we have a whopping six games on the schedule. So, uh... I think we're going to get a little creative on tomorrow's podcast, Scott. We've got John Gray at the Guardians. We've got Daniel Lynch versus the Blue Jays and Michael Waka at the Angels. I, I think John Gray is a good choice. All right. Tuesday, we have Madison Bumgarner at the Reds. Graham Ashcraft versus the Diamondbacks. Dakota Hudson at the Rays. Jeffrey Springs versus the Cardinals. Connor Pilkington versus the Rangers. And Taiwan Walker at the Padres. Jeffrey Springs is a good choice. The matchup isn't great, but the pitcher is. 
And if you need more Ashcraft against the Diamondbacks, Pilkington against the Rangers, I feel okay about them. I, I like them more in, in weekly formats with the two starts. But, you know, that could work as one start streamers too, I guess. All right. I will point out, and you mentioned the, the matchup for Springs, but the Cardinals are very good against lefties. They have the second highest weighted on base average. So if... Uh, if Springs looks good against them, then <laughs> I think that's... Hey, he's, he's looked good against a lot of good lineups. This he season, has, so. yeah. That will be the last seal of approval that you need up against the St. Mm-hmm. Louis Cardinals. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.